0: what is up everybody and welcome to episode 291 of talking chop podcast i am your host brad roland it is sunday evening june the 6th and i'm joined as often by the great eric cole who now has power and internet welcome eric to the podcast
1: i'm so happy i had a tree fall down like at a mile from my house and it took like i was without power and internet for like five hours i wasn't sure if i was gonna be able to do the podcast or I had to do it on the phone uh and now i get to talk about the hawks with brad roland Right, that's I, what we're doing, right?
0: I guess we could do a Hawks podcast. I'd be, uh, oh, oh, okay. yeah. I mean, listen, I, I've, there's been a lot, of, lots of Hawks developments. If you're a Hawks fan, you will know that. If not, that's okay, and we'll, we'll leave it there. But it's been fun to cover the Hawks recently, uh, and you know, to be positive, Eric. You know, last week's show, Scott and I, it was one of those shows that no one wants to do, and we kind of had to just get through it. Um, this time around, we're talking about baseball and the Braves. I will be optimistic. The Braves had a winning week. They were four and three, and four and three for a team that was in the NLCS not that long ago.
1: May not seem like much, but four and three is a marked improvement over most of the season. Absolutely, it's been a good week for Atlanta sports, and you know nothing bad happened at all, especially not today. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, the Haw- the Hawks won,
0: the Braves won, uh, the Falcons did a thing that they we don't want to talk about, but yeah, um, positive vibes today, Eric. I- I've decided positive vibes today. I'm going to talk myself out of this as well. I'm sure I- during I'm the podcast. Positive. But-
1: positive energy is being sent out into the universe. There you go. Um
0: so yeah, we'll dive in here uh you know, as we always do, get through the results and I'm sure we'll have a few sidebars along the way, but a 4-3 week. Uh obviously they opened the, they opened the week up with uh, a four-game split. And uh certainly a roller coaster ride in those four games. Um we'll start on the positive side. I will say the bullpen uh with a notable with two notable exceptions this week did its job and I feel like we need to talk we talk about the bullpen all all the time, but we'll I think we'll spend some actual time on the bullpen on this episode because A, Shane Green is now on the Big League club. He didn't pitch today, but he's he's now with the club. And also like it was the basically the polar opposites. Like for instance, Monday, they were awesome. They allowed one hit in four innings. Um they were also awesome on Saturday, allowing one hit and one walk in four innings. And today they did the job again. But in the middle uh, Tuesday, it wasn't good. <laughs> they had a blow up on Saturday. Oh no, not, not Saturday. Sorry, Friday against the Dodgers. So it's been hit and miss. And I feel like we should address the bullpen because all the time I get tweets. I sometimes send tweets about how frustrating the bullpen has been this season, and I I think it's true. But I, I will just give you this number. Jump off with Eric uh, coming into today. So it's not been updated. It probably would go down a little bit. I guess the bullpen. Was fourth worst in baseball in ERA at 4.80. Does that surprise you in a positive sense or a negative sense? Like, would you have guessed it was worse or better than that?
1: Um, because I think they've been trending largely in the right direction. It feels I, about right. I tend I'm to assuming. agree. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think you know, it's kind of about right because I felt like for a while they were so bad, and it was hard to. We've talked about this before. It's hard to point to like one guy in particular that's like. You know, like really dragging down the numbers. You know what I mean? Um, especially since after the the changes they've kind of made over the course of the last few weeks, with you know various you know DFAs and adding guys to the mix and you know trying other guys in different spots, it seems like that feels about right in terms of what their collective contributions has been. But I will say that I feel like they have been trained. They they've been trending up. What has been concerning, and again we've been talking about this for weeks now, is like. I don't feel like that the usage of the best guys in that bullpen has matched the situations that the Braves have been in. And I think that there has been games that it made it less likely that the Braves are going to win. I'm not going to say that they would have won these games if like, you know, like if Matt's had been in a game where, you know, they were only down by a run and they end up scoring three later on the game because, you know, there's too many other moving parts later on in games that, you know, I don't know that for sure, but I feel like their usage has been subpar. And when your usage is subpar, and you have guys that are struggling for whatever reasons that that has kind of made it worse. But in terms of like the overall ERA, that feels about right. You know what I mean? Like there's certainly some guys who are a little bit more adventurous than others. Every time Luke Jackson's in a game, I'm, you know, I just have started a game on Twitter. Like what things are going to happen that we know are going to happen. He's going to have at least one, one runner in scoring position. It's likely that that guy will be stranded despite being there with like one out, but he always makes it more interesting than I want it to be. <laughs> so you know, and it's, again, it's just there's a lot of that that it just seems like it's always ne- it's not easy a lot of times. But there's been, there were games this week where it looked like it was easy. It just the bullpen was just in autopilot, and they just got the they just handled business, and that was good. That was really nice to see. Yeah, I mean, I think
0: Saturday's the best one for me anyway. Like, I think even the beat writers were talking about this uh, in the moment. But you roll through the the five guys and you, you could lump Jackson in there or not but he pitched in the game but you go you go Minter Jackson Sick, Martin Smith and they were pretty dominant um in a row yeah, in that game against against the Dodgers offense and like it's not gonna always be that way I mean even the best bullpens I think people kind of selectively remember the stuff that happens or doesn't happen like even when they were dominant last year they they had some moments where they lost games and that's just gonna happen when it's any bullpen is gonna blow up sometimes but uh you could see a little glimpse of what it was supposed to be on Saturday and you know small small wins and then Shane Green. i guess we could talk about at some point later on but um i just want to always I, I, it was sort of on my mind um because as we started with monday because they were good on monday and there you go um i will say this as we go back to monday uh is it first of all I, i'm i'm very pro charlie morton i think we, we were on this podcast charlie just for some reason has an ending every game where he can't do anything correctly and I don't, I don't know what it is about charlie morton this year but maybe maybe because he's old and he just like, like kind of loses it but he'll be good for five and two thirds and then just kind of implode it's kind of funny actually
1: so i actually was looking at charlie's numbers before the before the podcast started and like i actually was surprised at how decent he's been yeah like if you just kind of look at his, his game log it looks okay because like watching charlie morton starts is not. I don't feel that, again. That's that's just more of a feel thing. Well, yeah, like, his, his ERA is four
0: point two one. Like he's already been he's already been worth more than a win this season. Like, and I think that would surprise people that didn't look closely at his numbers. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, he had one the, that horrific start against Philadelphia, which has made his armor numbers look significantly worse. Beyond that, he's been fine. You know what I mean? But not great, but fine. Right, it, yeah, he's been fine. You know what I mean? But you also like you you are right in that he seems to always have these innings where. He like he'll get some bad bad batted ball luck, and you know he'll give up some hard contact, or he'll like you know the, like the two walks that he gives up in the game will be in the same inning, and it just gets again just more interesting than you'd like it for me, especially from a guy that you like this brave this brave team has really needed to lean on to get innings from, and I was actually prepared to say you know like they haven't really kind of gotten the like that innings eater out of him that they were kind of hoping to get. But as it turns out, they kind of have. He's pitching. I mean, he's of, been
0: he's been out there. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I mean, he's you know, other than that that start where he got run out of Philadelphia, I mean, he's like he's six innings, seven innings, six innings, seven innings. It's kind of what he does, you know. He didn't do that on Monday necessarily because again, that that fourth inning was a little bit rough. But beyond that, I mean, again, not not his finest effort. I will certainly say that. But he was he was okay, you know. Not certainly didn't cost him a game. That's for sure.
0: No, yeah, uh, and that's what I'm. I mean, it's not. Not to do the whole Charlie Morton extravaganza here, but I feel like, and I'm guilty of this too, and maybe not because I'm looking through things in a positive lens with him because I'm rooting for it to succeed. But I think if you asked a typical Braves fan right now if Charlie Morton was like a bust or something, a lot of them would say yes, and I I get that how much money
1: he's making. Yeah, and
0: you know this is the same thing we always talk about, but you know I, I think for what he's making, if he even if he just does this the rest of the season. Is it a huge success? No, but it's also not a failure. It's kind of like Dallas Keuchel. It's like very Dallas Keuchel vibes right now with Charlie Morton. Like no yeah, one, I'm with, I'm with you there. No one's acting like he was awesome, but also no one. I think no one reasonably would say that Charlie Morton is like busting. Like he's been totally fine. Like he's on pace for like a two and a half win season, which is not what you wanted necessarily. But I think if you're being honest, that's kind of like worth it for what you paid him to just like fill that spot and not have to worry about it a ton. I mean, it's, it's still it's still early June. Like, there's a long way to go here, but I, I feel like that's just uh, I was suddenly, I was looking at his numbers this week. And I saw so similar on that myself. Like, you know what? He's kind of been okay, but not great. And yet, it just feels like it's like one 10 minute
1: period, and every start when it's yeah, uh, just, not going well. Yeah, just things go go off the rails in a hurry for sure. And so and and again, sometimes like he recovers and gets out of it, and sometimes you know games get a little bit more interesting. But you know, yes. again, so they, overall, you know. He won that game five three, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, you,
0: you win on Monday. It uh, doesn't bite you. Obviously, a home run by Ronald Acuna, who is still pretty good. Uh, he by the way, he home run again on Tuesday. I think he's again pretty good at baseball. Um, this is one that that hurts. Is, t- is the Tuesday loss? So it ends up being eleven to six. But um, Strasburg, who uh, always loves pitching against the Braves in Atlanta, um, he pitched an inning of a third, and the Braves lost this game no, by five no, runs. No. So if I told you only that, uh, the only information I gave you, Eric, is Strasburg pitches an inning and a third. Um, I think we would have both said Braves win a large portion of the time. Uh, They did not win because Max Freed was not very good either. Eight base runners and five earned runs in three and two thirds for Max. Uh, Fortunately, he didn't have the opportunity to bounce back today on Sunday, which was nice. But uh, there were some rumblings happening on Tuesday when Max was not pitching well.
1: Uh, that's generally how it works. You know, all of a sudden everyone's like, you know, this guy's a bust, you know, we need to rehaul the pitching staff. Uh, I've gotten more than one tweet and or DM saying that the Braves need to consider just trading away half their roster at the trade deadline and starting over again. You know, these are the kinds of things that happen after a tough loss against a, a situation they should have, they should have won that game. Right. Um, <laughs> and you know, Strasburg is very clearly dealing with some sort of injury. His was like fastball velocity and spin was way, way down like obviously something wasn't right with him so they get him out of there seems like you know when Strasburg's in Atlanta you know he leaves the, there's something that's always bothering him that feels like he needs to leave the game so you know I that, that's just kind of how it goes but when like the Nationals bullpen comes in and I wouldn't say shuts down the Braves because they t- certainly gave up some runs but you know kind of <laughs> put together enough of quality whereas the, the braves bullpen was very not good in that game again a frustrating situation especially when you get like a really good game from ronnie like you, well, you know he had i think he had three hits in another like another home run in that game and like you just you feel like you in games where you put up six runs this isn't a team that can afford to give those kinds of games away and unfortunately it just you know didn't work out
0: yeah i mean they were they were hanging around there and i don't know it wasn't just one of those games that nobody nobody enjoyed we, we can move on from that one um Wednesday, uh, Eric, I know we always love this discussion, but the Drew Smiley discourse returned in full force.
1: Yep, speaking of the experience. On
0: on Wednesday, uh, nine base runners in four and a third innings for Mr. Smiley. Um, And the Braves ended up losing, of course, five to three. He actually only allowed three earned runs. Um, Somehow. But if you watch that, if you watch that, and listen, I've tried to defend Drew Smiley at times. If you watch that start, he was he was pretty terrible in that game, and he got very, very lucky to allow three runs. Um, and Smiley's ERA now, by the way, is five point nine eight, and it has not been an unlucky five point nine eight. His FIP is six point two nine. He is uh firmly in the negative uh fangraft's war. This is the stat for me. He's allowing two point seven home runs per nine. That's not good. Uh that's not gonna get it done, Drew. Um, I listen, I'm not a pitching expert. There's been some talk about like his pitch selection. Do you have an opinion on this? Like, I guess a lot of what made him interesting last season, he's kind of gone away from, uh, from what I gather. And again, I'm not a pitching expert, um, but it feels like they've kind of tinkered and it has not gone well. And this is something I actually want to ask you more broadly, even but beyond smiley is, um, I think Rick Kranitz is not, um, the most popular person on, Br- on Brace Twitter right now, even for people that I think are the smart people on Brace Twitter, and I wonder what you think of like the pitching approach, which is more of a long-term podcast, I understand. But with regard to Smiley, like, this is not the first time this has happened where a guy's shown some stuff, and then he kind of just doesn't show the same stuff in Atlanta. And that kind of gets you, even if it's not fair all the time, that gets you to a, like, why aren't the Braves doing
1: X conversation? I don't know. So, I have some specific thoughts. I think that the quality of both Smiley's fastball and his curveball has gone down. I think that you know, when he has that curve working and he can get guys to swing at it out of the zone is when he kind of gets those strikeout numbers that we really like out of him. But his fastball is often kind of flat and very hittable. And he's not, he's not throwing it as hard as he was, you know, last year, right? Like, and again, that might just been a, you know, he was able to let it rip and, you know, he was only being asked to throw two times through the order, which again, we get to the usage of the bullpen and we get to understanding what a guy's strengths are and what they're not is that, you know, Smiley was not a third time through the order pitcher even when he was good, right? So that the Braves just continually run him out there and just go, you know what? We'll keep running him out there and see how this goes. It just doesn't go well. It just doesn't. And they just he's just not that guy because now he's throwing these hanging curveballs and guys have gotten multiple looks at it and all of a sudden they start teeing off on him and he was already not great during that ball game. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was very, very fortunate that he only gave up three earned runs. But... Speaking broadly about Kranitz, even going back to 2019, there were rumblings like amongst like, Braves Media, amongst like the Braves organization, is that Kranitz might be better served in some sort of like advisory role towards younger players that isn't a pitching coach. Because I don't think he's necessarily the guy that's coming up with pitching game plans. And I don't think he's adding much to like the actual coaching of mechanics and coaching of ex- executing the Braves. Game plan in terms of where they what pitches they want thrown and where they want them thrown. I don't think he's adding much to that. Now, I have some broader qu- concerns about how the Braves feel like that the, these are the pitches that they want their pitchers to throw and this is where they want them thrown con- consistently because that's what the data tells them. Because I don't think that necessarily speaks to the strengths of their pitchers always. But broadly speaking, I think that what Granites is good at is that he can go out to the mound and like it does seem like that there's a broadly except the thing that he is pretty good about getting guys settled down. And like, again, that kind of that person to person interaction. <laughs> very kind of, Bravesy. That, Z. That, that's That's very yeah, Bravesy right yeah, there. Yeah. Yes. But I don't think he's necessarily good at the, you know, working on like making adjustments in between starts and things like that. I don't think that's a strength of his. I personally would think that they, they think he they should move on. Uh, and I'm a big fan of like A's pitching coach, um, you know, is a guy that would be, a guy that I would certainly be targeting or looking at as an option, but overall credits does not do much for me as a pitching coach. Now that said coaching staffs at the major league level have a marginal impact in a lot of ways. Yeah. And you know, like same thing with a bullpen coach, right? You know, like most Braves fans wouldn't know who the Braves bullpen coach is, but we also know the, the Braves bullpen hasn't been performing well. So, you know, you got, you get these, you know, calls for this guy to, you know, get fired and bring someone else in. But I don't think that those are like magic bullet solutions on the coaching side either.
0: Yeah. uh, That's all well said. I think I, I didn't mean to get down that rabbit hole either. I just felt like that was a discussion that was really happening. Not that it hasn't before, but in full force around the middle of the week, with regard to Smiley in particular, and obviously, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of it falls on Smiley. It's not like we're uh, excusing that. Yeah, he's he's the biggest. He's he's, he's not pitching he well, not and he's not pitching well, and um, that's not going very well to this point in time. So no uh, no excuses there, but want we'll to at least bring it up. Um, last thing before we get to a break, uh, Thursday they end up winning in the matinee getaway day game, and uh, this is where I defer to you heavily because Tucker Davidson pitched for the second time this season and was it was good he walked five but other than that he pitched well and Snicker said after the start that he is on track to pitch again this week uh prospect maven that you are talk to me about about Tucker Davidson were you pleased with the performance and uh what should people expect for his next start
1: I was largely pleased Tucker has always had these starts where he walks a bunch of guys um but he those have been much less frequent this year and I think that the command overall has been significantly better out of him. And it doesn't look like that. it feels like the guys are having a lot of trouble picking up his fastball and picking up the breaking ball in ways that allow them to make any sort of meaningful contact, and that's a big deal. Then the walks don't matter quite as much. When, if you're walking five guys a game, you, can, you can't do that. Like, that's not sustainable. And I don't think that that's what way he is. He's been much better other than that game this season. So, overall, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm happy they're giving him another sh- – another start it's worth mentioning too that his kind of s- schedule has been kind of all over the place. Cause he starts for Atlanta. Then they send him back down to the Gwinnett and then like he was on track to start, but then they had to move some things around and he starts like a game, like a few days later than he normally would. So it, I'm under, I understand if maybe the command wasn't quite as crisp as it normally is. And under those circumstances, based on what he was having to deal with kind of moving up and down the minors and still putting together, pitching into the sixth inning and not giving up an earned run and striking out five batters, sign me up for that every time. And I'm really glad that they're giving him a chance to kind of earn a regular spot in that rotation because frankly, I think he's earned it.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously lack of options too, but I do I do think that he is uh, at least intriguing. It's not like some, you know, cross your fingers and pray plug and play option. Uh, he has some actual upside and, talent and obviously uh, you and the uh, minor league guys have been talking about him for a long time but uh at least a pretty interesting first start they won that game in part because of him which is always helpful should also mention that Ozzie Albies hit three hits on Thursday and Ronnie reached three times and Dan's became alive a little bit with a two-run homer um I I want show- to I want just- to just mention this I-, I think Dansby got some attention and with good reason for having to sort of heat, heat up a little bit there Ozzie's been overlooked on this podcast at least by me this season and after kind of a wobbly start he's up to a 123 wrc plus like he's been quite good for like i don't know six weeks now maybe more to the point where uh he's not quite in like ronnie territory this season but he's having a better year than
1: freddie to this point which uh i think was not expected (laughs) he's been good i mean again he can he started to look like mike trout again against lefties uh that always helps you know he's um as he's just incredibly good he's always gonna be streaky right he's just gonna have these stretches where he's just like wow he's like the cog that's making this offense move um it's also worth mentioning i mean and dansby too he's been he's been really kind of on a bit of a tear himself too after again a pretty awful start to is the he season. is he
0: ever is he ever uh streaky i'm not sure what i'm not sure that ever happens with Dansby. i know i said sort of a snarky message to scott, <laughs> scott on twitter this week when he said something about dansby I was like oh the first time that atlanta shortstop's ever been inconsistent it never happens with Dansby." <laughs>
1: sorry <laughs> or, or atlanta shortstop's just in general right i guess and that's like, true you know, yeah I mean, like you know, we saw Andrew, Andrew and Simmons be a good hitter for like three straight weeks, where he was like no one could get him out. And well, then the, we saw some, yeah. some of those other some of those swings that he took. The rest of the time, it's a actually a time good, it's be. actually not a
0: bad comp, honestly, for like what they did at the plate. Uh, and also, to your today's point, um, he's up to a 97 wRC plus for the season, and given where he started, I would
1: not have gu- I would not have guessed that.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, that's basically all of this like week and a half for recently, but you know. I think you got to kind of take that for what we've seen so far. Uh, he's slugging 448 to buoy his uh, on base percentage, which is still sub 300. But listen, uh, he was like in the 50s a couple weeks ago. So that tells you that he's been uh, pretty hot.
1: Absolutely. And one thing that nice note about Ronnie, other than the fact that he's obviously just really good at baseball, is that it seems like either the Braves are letting him run more or. He's running more, one of the two. He's stealing a bunch of bases, which isn't the best news for yours truly because I made a bet with the internet that if he gets forty forty, that I have to get a tattoo. You did, but you know, um, and listen, that, everyone's a-
0: rooting against you too, including me. Everyone's rooting against yeah, you, which every, every, I appreciate.
1: Everyone is. Yes. I, I look. I I will honor that. I have no problems honoring that. And I even said something along the lines of, you know, I'm not too concerned because they're not really letting Ronnie run and, uh, for any well, that was consistent a basis. But well this past week they he's been running kind of wild and, and often that so. was
0: a uh, mistake of a, of a sentiment for you to share in public I'll say that um uh, hey, he have to I'm here he's, for the content he's a, uh, all right listen I will say you you are still a big favorite he has 11 right now that's not I mean, he's not he's not on pace to give you to give you some credit he's not on pace to make it now Could could he do it absolutely because he's not a human being
1: but um you're you're in good shape I think I feel good of where I am at right now. I feel like 40 home runs might be a lock, but uh, it's not, that, not,
0: not a lock, but certainly I think he's favored to hit 40 home runs with where he is now.
1: Yeah. yeah he's slinging I mean,
0: 600, by the way, 598 slinging for the
1: season. Yeah. And he's actually felt, it's felt like he's like cooled down a bit over the last few weeks. And, you know, one torrid stretch from him and all of a sudden, you know, I'm gonna have even more people tweeting at me. So, you know, but again, good. I feel like I'm in a good spot with that, with that bet, but you know, one way or the other, you know, I will honor the terms of that bet for sure. As you should. Um,
0: anyway, that was a good way to end that series. You know, non-disastrous. Obviously, it would have been better if they won the series, but to not lose three in a row the way they, you know, the middle of the week went was a bit of a, uh, a blessing going into the weekend in the Dodgers series, which we'll get into in a moment. But, Eric, we have to break now to hear from our sponsors. So hold on tight. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Eric, let us discuss the Dodger series. But first, I want to ask you a question to... Pull on your expertise again. Not only do we talk about D- Tucker Davidson, but uh, Christian Pache is not in the majors right now. And I meant to ask you this already, but I'll ask you it now. Um, they've activated him. He is playing, but he is playing in Gwinnett. And if you told me preseason um, that he was going to be active and playing, but the Braves were going to be playing Abraham Almonte uh, most days and Adrianza and Ender. Uh, we would have been losing our minds. But I think generally people are not upset that Pache's in the minors. But I, I'm kind of just asking you for a general status update because I saw some positivity about him and Gwinnett over the weekend from, I think, Garov and other people. But where, where where are you at with Pache now that he is healthy and playing again?
1: I'm happy that he's in Gwinnett. I'm not going to, there's no glossing over the fact that, you know, he did not look like a major league ready hitter this season. He just didn't. And that's the thing that's going to happen sometimes, right? Just like a guy, you know, he comes up in the playoffs last year, impresses a lot of people with his plate discipline and all that stuff. Something like he was working on constantly at the alternate site and it was paying dividends. Then he comes into a brand new season. There's a little bit of tape on him and you know, it's just kind of an entirely different season coming off and off season. And you know, you you know, batting 111 one 11 or whatever it was, isn't going to get the job done. So you, he gets hurt middle of may, he comes back, Just give him some time in Gwinnett. Surprisingly, his replacements in the outfield have not been terrible. I I will say like, Ender, had looked pretty decent today. You know, Almonte has been surprisingly decent. Heredia continues to kind of surprise that he's being productive at all. It's working well enough right now that you don't need to push him. And this gives him a chance to kind of reset, get, get back to working on things at the plate while he doesn't have the, you know, the spotlight of having to produce in a major league lineup right now. And so far it's worked out. He, was activated and he played his first game first of June. He's played three games since then he's hit safely in all three of them has three doubles over the course of those, of those three, of those three games. You know, the strikeouts are still there a bit, but, and you know, in those three games, he hasn't drawn a walk, but we're talking about a super small sample size game against the game over the weekend. He looked really good against Jacksonville, you know, had three hits in that game, couple of doubles, drove in a couple of runs, poking the ball the other way. These are all positive developments, right? You know, you want to, give him a chance to succeed. And in the situation right now where the Braves don't I don't want to say they they don't need him because at the end of the day, Ender Inciarte, Guillermo Heredia, and Abraham Almonte are getting regular at-bats on a major league roster. So, I don't want to like discount the fact that they probably need some real quality in there for the long term, but those guys are holding things down well enough where it gives Pache some time to get right at the plate. And if you get him right at the plate, that plus, you know, at least be him passable or reasonable at the plate with his defense would go a long way for this team. Cause then you can kind of, you move Ronnie out of center and you maybe put him back in, right. It, it, all these things are good. And for the moment, give him some time. I'm all for it. I think that he didn't look ready. And you know, I think the Braves made the right decisions that once he got healthy from, from, from that injury, just give him some time to get right at the plate. I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. That's, that sounds right to me. And listen, I mean, Pache, no one could argue that he looked good at the plate in the majors. No. Like, no one can make that argument. Uh we were are high on him, we still are. And I'll just remind everybody that he's he's 22 and not everybody comes up and just rakes. I know it happens more often these days than it used to happen. Obviously Ronnie did that, but um we tried to stress to people that Pache was not that kind that kind of that level of offensive prospect. Um, he's still a good prospect. He's still 22 years old and really talented, but he wasn't supposed to come up and mash. It was worse than expected, at least for me. But um, that's, that's not a death sentence. Like that, he's he's still a very interesting player long term, and uh, hopefully he'll find it in Gwinnett. But I wanted to make sure I asked you about because he was back and healthy now, and I wanted to just gloss over because it's normally just the major league focus show, but he's a major league caliber player. So there we have it. Um okay uh we're getting into the weekend now. Obviously Friday's game was the least fun. Uh the one bright spot maybe was Freddie Freeman homering in the first inning. His first home run since May 18th, which is wild. And almost as wild as his first RBI since May 22nd, which was like, you know, almost 2 weeks from between RBI for Freddie Freeman is very
1: unusual, especially with Ronnie, especially with Ronnie hitting in front of him. Like. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's funny. Like he's had a pretty terrible stretch this season and i say that like obviously grading on a curve because we, i even described this earlier in the podcast like he's been you know i said this about ozzy about how freddie was bad all this stuff uh <laughs> freddie being terrible in our eyes is freddie with a 117 wrc plus on june 6th
1: i would not have bet that number was that high to be honest
0: well and, and the reason why it is because is he's still walking a ton he has a 16 percent walk rate for the season so he's his obp still almost 360 Which is not like Freddy awesome, but like in the grand scheme of the current Major League Baseball. Uh, that is well, that's well above average. He's just not hitting the ball, um, where people are not. He's, his batting average is 229, 229. So, yeah, um, every line
1: drive that guy hits finds a glove. It's yeah. Wild.
0: So it's a combination and we could do it for thing another time probably, but it's a combination of he's, he's not been as good just objectively. His batted ball profile, all that stuff has not been as good. And he's also been a little bit unlucky. I think like his badminton is 231, which is a career low by a lot. Um, that's one metric for sure. It doesn't cu- doesn't cover everything, but he's also not been uh, his jovial self. All that stuff we talked about this before, but I always wanted to mention that he did hit a home run on Friday, um, and he has been bad this season. But it, but bad for him is still a player that is quite useful. It's just not himself. And Scott, I talked about this about this last week, but the Braves' current roster needs Freddie Freeman to be Freddie Freeman in all capital letters pretty badly with all of the holes. Uh, and losses between Ozuna and Darno, and even Sirocco on the pitching side. They need Freddie to be Freddie. And he's just not quite been that. But obviously, the hope would be that he'll find his level as a superstar in the near future because while he's still been pretty good this year, they need more from him, obviously.
1: No, i couldn't agree more especially with the loss of ozuna which you know has been kind of weirdly glossed over by basically everyone in the braves media oh just kind of okay for, for... you know, we're doing this now i have i have one comment uh okay can, can, can we
0: can we talk about the uh was what was the what was the phrase that was used on the broadcast the first night
1: <laughs> injury limbo that was the one uh
0: that is that, that is unaccept- really bad that is unacceptable uh I, I understand you're talking live on the air uh but that that's unacceptable to use that phrase that's ridiculous um and we'll move on, but I wanted to make sure we always said how absurd that was. And it got attention to the point where it was on Awful Announcing. Um, Joe Lucia has been on this podcast multiple times as a guest. Joe runs Awful Announcing. I will say this, if you are an announcer, most of the time, you don't want to be on Awful Announcing. And that was on no, an Awful you Announcing.
1: No, do not. So. And, uh, inter- again, it's just, it feels like, look, we don't know the results of, like, there's, there's a police investigation going on, you know, criminal legal proceedings. Baseball is going to be doing their own investigation. Like, obviously... Speculating about what what that should happen? That, that's should happen. yeah, like, I agree. That, but, in, but injury limbo. Come on. Let's <laughs> not pretend. Let's not pretend that it just nothing happened and like an arrest didn't happen. Injury and some particularly, limbo. Yeah, particularly like pretty damning details like in the police report. The, know, here's
0: like, the here's, the, th- here's the thing. Like, all you had all he had is all we haven't talked about who this people people know who this. uh <laughs> all you have to say is Ozuna's absence you know if you if, if, if there's a mandate somewhere to not talk about it I, I i guess i understand that but all you need to say is ozuna is not here or ozuna's absence or you know the all absence of the troubles. the abs, something something other than injury limbo would have been uh, a good thing to use anyway yes but it's, as far as baseball is concerned not having him not having darno is not a small thing and you know you just need it's a roster, as we discussed last week, that it's, it's just not as good as it was supposed to be right now on paper, and they're they are benefiting from like Adrianza and Almonte like doing stuff. Contreras was hitting, and they have the pieces to fill it in. No one's saying that they're bad now. It's just they're not this star-studded roster that they had before. And we'll get into the standings in a second, but I just want to at say that out loud. Like they just he just they need Freddie. I mean, Acuna can only do so much. We, we talked about Ozzy being really good lately, but the the. <laughs> One of the clearest ways to make this offense better is for Freddie Freeman to not even be the guy from last year. That guy's probably not like a full time, like he was. He was absurd. We said that at the time, but just be the guy from 2019. Like just be a star. Yeah. You don't. You don't have to be. You don't have to be Mike. Like last last year, he was like basically Mike Trout at the plate for the season. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah. That's not realistic. But he, what is realistic is where he was the three years before that, when he was just like a you know capital S star. And this year, he's been more like. I'm not even sure what the comp is. Like, John Olerud? I don't know. I'm, I'm showing my age there. John Olerud. I'm showing, my, I'm showing my age there, but, like, someone who just walks a lot and, like, has a little bit of pop, but not a ton, and he's obviously better than this guy. We just need that to exist, I
1: think. Yeah, and, um, and if the Rays get that, I mean, like, they're already, like, with Freddie being in this state right now, they're scoring five runs a game. Yeah,
0: the offense has not been the problem this season. I mean, we talked about it a lot, but the offense has not been uh, catastrophic by, by any means. It's uh, been run prevention that's been the actual problem, but... It would paper over a lot if. By by the way, to that point, the Braves lead the division in runs scored by thirty. Yeah, healthily, and they're also, I believe, like top five in the National League. Uh, Yeah, behind only the Reds, Giants, and Dodgers, so they're they're fourth in the National League in runs scored. So, offense has not been the problem.
1: I would have never guessed the Giants were going to be on that list. The Giants that's, are that's, leading; that's... are still leading the the. Analyst. I know, I know, I know. It's the weirdest thing. I, I they also
0: that. have a plus seventy run differential. Anyway, we're down, we're down the rabbit hole. But uh, I was reminded of that too. I, in fact, I looked at the standings. It's still early, but now that we're in June, we can look at the standings a little bit. And the wild card standings are wild because it's the Dodgers and the Padres at the top because the Giants are the division. <laughs> so it's
1: like, oh yeah, the Padres, the Dodgers are not. Neither of them are winning the division right now.
0: That is uh, not what we expected.
1: Yep, and the Padres got swept by the Cubs. I mean, like, I don't know what's going on. They're all still
0: good, but man, that's weird. Uh, Anyway, um, the rest of Friday was not fun in that the Dodgers scored eight runs in a single inning. And basically, the Braves had one bad inning this weekend. If the Braves had not had that implosion in the fifth on Friday, they might have swept the Dodgers.
1: <laughs> but they allowed uh, eight but very, runs. Very, very possible, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, but they allowed eight runs. It was Anderson at the first, gave up two runs. Then Newcomb walked three in a row, including two guys with the bases loaded. That's not going to do it. And then Greg Dayton, Dodgers legend, came in to allow a single and a double, and it suddenly was eight to one. And by the way, Dayton got put on the IL the next day. Um, so. Uh, I don't have any analysis there, you know. I guess the good thing, if you want to find one, is that the guys who give up that they run inning are not the main guys; it's the supporting guys, um, your newcomers and your Dayton's. But uh, Nuke, uh, Nuke, um, that was
1: rough. So I have some strong feelings about this inning, right? For starters, you know, people were talking about Ian Anderson, you know, like you know, like, punting that game or whatever, those two runs were scored on, like, two fielder's choices that were hit a total of maybe fifty. Yeah,
0: he, he was not bad in that game. He just, no, he, he was wasn't.
1: not. You know, he Like, he, going into that inning, he like, doing that against the Dodgers, you take that every time, right? Like, Austin, like, clubs a, clubs a, short, a short grounder and doesn't throw the ball to first, because if he makes that play just to first instead of trying to throw home and, like, putting a ball square and they get the runners back, like, then it's two outs with the pitcher up. And then, Urias gets down a sack bunt that ends up like ends up being a perfect bunt, and then all, then all hell breaks loose in this inning. My issue here, and again, that's just a 2-1 game, and this is something that I will continually harp about, is that in a 2-1 game where your offense consistently scores five runs a game, they haven't been doing it in later innings, but scoring five runs a game, you take that from your offense. You're only down 2-1. You're trying to put out a fire, and your answer to the question of who should I bring up out of the bullpen is Sean Newcomb. I do not understand this. I just don't. Newcomb is good and has been good in situations where he starts the inning and he can start clean. And like, he's put up some decent relief appearances in those situations. When there are base runners on, and this is true when he was in the minors, as soon as there's runners on and as soon as there's a crisis that's actually in play, he is not the guy you want. And in a one-run game, you want guys that you can trust to get outs you want to get out of that inning if they wanted to put him out there the next inning it wouldn't have bothered me in the slightest but when you're trying when you have runners on in a situation where you've already kind of given up a lead and a lot of weird things are happening he is not your guy he just isn't and yeah. snicker has, like, has has consistently treated a one run deficit the same way he would treat an eight run deficit in terms of who he selects oh, yeah. to put out on that mound you, you know my rant about this and then, so he walks three guys in a row, looks awful, and then goes, "You know what? now we're down by a few more runs. Let's bring in Grant Dayton. I mean, it was really if, bad, and like it just it was a very frustrating situation. If you had to choose because
0: one thing like just one specific thing tactically that Snicker does that drives me insane, it probably is this. It probably is the fact that he he punts games. You know maybe punt's too strong but he does not treat leverage situations properly in my view when they are losing he just for whatever reason i don't want to overstate it but it's something we've said a ton on this podcast you know if you're down two in the fifth like that's not the time to bring in your worst reliever you know what I mean like it's just not yeah. like and he, he <laughs> treats it like they're down seven and they're down two or down one even sometimes and they'll do that but if you're up if they're up six, like up six is a lower leverage spot than down by two, and I I just don't and, know and, if he and, understands and, that.
1: <laughs> and up by and up by six, it is I would say likely that we are going to see one of the three best relievers on the roster in that game. Like yeah, likely, no, I mean very likely. And, and drives-
0: I, that's a that's a Bobby thing too. Bobby used to do the same thing. Like he you know he would unless it was a comical lead. Like if you're if you're up ten, maybe he doesn't do this. But if it's five or six, like. That's not high leverage. You you should try to not use your best guys up six. But it's just the opposite. And again, we've done this a random number of times, but that wasn't as, I know you We I, you and I talked that night on Friday about this and you were steamed about it. And I understand. I mean, it's it's frustrating. Because look, would they have lost this game anyway? You know, maybe, for sure. It's not like they were going to like... You're not favored to win. And that's. The, I think that's part of the reason why people don't understand this is that if you're already losing, people assume you're going to lose. So... When you lose by more, people don't really get outraged by that. But it's a it's a it's a leverage play. It's a percentage play. It's a win probability play. But it's hard to sometimes put your math hat on and realize, all right, we actually have about a thirty percent chance to win this game. If we put this guy in, it'll stay at thirty. If we put this guy in, it might go down to twenty. Because that, this guy is a lot worse than this guy, and that's like hard to comprehend. I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I'm obviously just throwing out numbers willy nilly there, but it's just uh, it is a maddening thing if you are trying to just do the math and not even just pure math, but just like the common sense of this team's like you know in, in previous years has been, has prided itself on being this comeback team that never quits and never says die, and I get that they've had a ton of great comebacks in the last couple of years, but it's kind of incong- incongruous because <laughs> they they almost punt games sometimes when they are
1: winnable still i don't know and it was worse because they scored four runs later in this game if they you did. just get out of that inning with just score giving up three runs or whatever like even if another run's like you give up a hit in that inning right but you end up getting out of it and you know you get instead what you get is again a seven run deficit is really hard they scored four runs in the eighth inning if they only give up <laughs> yeah again, three runs in that inning and i mean then you and things kind of go to plan the rest of the way, which they only gave up one run the rest of the way. The Braves win that game. Yeah. And again, there's a lot of moving parts, like who you would use and who wouldn't, and yes. like how the rest of that game would go. But, like, and I understand that, but put your team in position to win games because right now the offense is scuffling late in games. Your bullpen is a little bit iffy. At least give yourself a good chance as opposed to like stacking the deck against yourself. And it just it's frustrating. It
0: yeah. And, and again, we we wouldn't do this kind of rant on one game in a non playoff setting. It's just that this has been a theme for a while all,
1: so. all all year. And then there's the double switches and all this weird stuff where you know like <laughs> like like these double switches where like the pitcher ends up coming up sooner and like why these double switches are happening. You know, like is it why is it why is it more desirable to have this hitter in this situation versus the guy you already had in there? These these are all I, I, these are things I are hard for me to kind of wrap my head around, but. That's the one thing where it's been consistent. It's just that, you know, when in close games, those games, especially, particularly if the Braves are losing, I haven't really seen as much when the games are tied. Although it's happened before when the games are tied, it's just when they're like down a run. Yes, like it's treated like the game's over. And if, I, if you're down, if you're down one, here comes Jacob Webb, and that's what's what you're going to get. Um, and before anyone yells at me about bashing on Snicker. A lot of this is solved by these bullpen guys not being bad. Well, right? yeah, like, I mean that's N- obviously Nuk- implied. Nukum's complete inability to throw a strike in that inning, not like not even close. You know, throw a strike, make them put at least put the ball in play. Let's let well, and, and, something.
0: And that's the damage of, and this is everybody's playing under the same rule. But that's also the damage of three batter minimum because we all we all knew that was going to go badly before he got to the third batter. But you can't you can't dig him out. It's just you're, he's out there and uh, okay. got speed. Um, Anyway, we can move off that game because the rest of the weekend is more positive. Saturday, they win despite four errors. They made they made two in the first inning, and they were lucky to only allow one run. Then they, they put five on Kershaw in the third, a couple of uh, two-run doubles by Ozzy and Dansby, who we talked about earlier. They, they did give some back with four singles and a double play and then another error in the fourth inning. Um, but Almonte gives him some insurance, as we talked about at the top of the podcast. The bullpen was awesome on Saturday, but uh, not 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 every day that you win a relatively close game with four errors against the Dodgers. That's not what you would have drawn up, but it got there.
1: No, th- th- this, th- that Dodgers team. I know that they're not like as dominant as we thought they were going to be this year. They're still so good. But, like giving them giving giving them free outs is just like. Every time it happens, like every time I saw an error, I'm just like, this is like the, this is the team that you really, really did. Like you get, you jump on a lead on them. This is like the last team you want to like give an extra batter to, you know, let guys get on base and let them, because the, the, they'll punish you. Every guy in that lineup is capable of like taking you deep or, you know, making a, a one run inning turn into a five run inning. Like that's just what they do. It's what they did to the Braves in the playoffs is every at bat, you know, it felt like in that playoff series, every at bat was 14 pitches And, you know, when you get a chance and you get a ground ball and you get a play where you can get an out and you instead, you know, result in giving up runs, it's just, it feels bad. But fortunately, like, you know, again, Ozzie and Dansby, that up up the middle defense in the infield, has also been really performing well at the plate lately. Uh, I was happy to see Almonte get a solo home run, too. Yep. Just to kind of, like, again, I'm not, like, super enthusiastic about Abraham Almonte getting regular at-bats in this Braves lineup, but you you want to root for a guy like that who's put in a position to you know, he, he, the spotlight's on him right now, because right now that the Braves outfield outside of Ronald Cooney jr. Is kind of a mess. And you want to see a guy succeed in that situation, especially a journeyman guy like that. Who's not been known to like hit for a bunch of power or be like an offensive force whatsoever. And he's hit really well down in Gwinnett and to see him produce at the major league level. I was like, you know, that heartened me. Uh, and beyond that, you were right. The, the bullpen was legitimately very, very good.
0: Yeah. Almonte is almost 32 years old. And, uh, journeyman is the right term for it. He's always been on a bunch of teams, he's been a major leaguer for a while and that's a heck of a career on its own. But um so far in 16 plate appearances, he has a 2.19 wrc plus with a 7.27 slugging. So uh sustainable. Very well, uh, yeah, obviously. But very very timely though, like all jokes aside, it's it's not sustainable. We'll be the first person people to say that. Same thing with Adrianza early in the season was kind of hot and even Pablo, but the Braves kind of need this kind of weirdness right now with their with their setup without Ozuna and without Darno. Like they, they they can really benefit from a weird hot two week stretch it, from it, Almonte. Like
1: it would be it would be nice to get some good luck. Sure,
0: and, and that's yeah. he's <laughs> been hot. And he's obviously do, he's obviously smashing the ball right now, and it's not going to continue. But listen, just ride it as long as it goes. And he tacked on a run, and he had a good, he had a good game today as well on Sunday. So uh, good on Almonte, who was uh, was very. Not in the plans (laughs) coming into the season. Um, And on Sunday, uh, obviously Shane Green, that was the news before the game. He did not pitch, but he's now up with the big club. And then Freed, as we talked about before, bounced back with a six-inning, one-run performance today. The Braves kind of just score one run at a time, nothing terribly flashy. And uh, Albert Pujols, yes, Albert Pujols, first ballot Hall of famer, drove in both
1: runs for the Dodgers today. Um, I I knew he was going to have, like, some key hits in the series just because it felt like that was just inevitable, like, you know, the shell of Albert Pujols. Uh, you know, that was the first guy that, you know, Nuka managed to, you know, walk in to load the bases or whatever, you know, the shell of Albert Pujols, because couldn't throw a single strike to the guy. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm I I, I I'm happy for Albert that he's kind of put in a position where he can, like, you know, in his probably, if this isn't his last season, he's getting really, really close, uh, you know, just to kind of see him occasionally put, put up some decent numbers. I wish they wouldn't do it against the Braves. But, no. uh, but other than Pujols, I mean, the Braves really handled the, the the Red Sox on Sunday. The Reds, the, the really... Red,
0: the Red Sox. What, what's going on here? Uh, Dodgers, Dodgers. Should, Dodgers you have Dodgers. a
1: blackout. It's fine. I, yeah, I didn't say try, that earlier today. I I had a little bit of stroke. Yeah, it's been, it's
0: been a long day. It's fine. Um, no, it's uh, I don't know the Dodgers. Let's just say this: winning the Dodgers series. You don't want to overstate it, but beating them two out of three and having a decent chance to sweep them. Was kind of what the doctor ordered, and it felt like there was a little bit of positive mojo this week. At the end of the week, I don't want to overstate that either, but it seems like there were some upbeat comments, people feeling pretty good. Now they hit the road. Like if they had gone, you know, two and five this week, and then have to go have to go on the road this week, it would not have been uh, a whole lot of fun. But they instead took care of business, kind of in ho hum fashion on Sunday, and that was fine. They kind of needed one of those.
1: Yeah, uh, and this is the team that really can thrive on like really positive energy when you have guys like Ronnie and Ozzie Dansby to a certain extent, just kind of, and you know, some young guys on that roster, just having some positive energy in that clubhouse and positive energy in that dugout, like that's going to help because I mean, you're going to Philly, which is a team you really need to put up a good result against because they're kind of competing with you for that second place spot. And then you're going against the Marlins who you really need to beat up on because you don't want to like have a tough series against the last place team in your division you know having some positive energy going into like a like some big road series, you know that that's good, and you did you beat a team that is legitimately very, very good in a series, and you beat them convincingly, like the braves were the best te- played team on the field, certainly on Saturday and Sunday, and you know Friday was a definitely a pretty weird game, but you know that was also a very winnable game if you know a lot of things had just kind of gone right in one inning so. You know, overall, you know, there's a lot to take away that was positive from, you know, with the Braves this past week, and particularly the Dodgers series. Certainly. So at this point, they're twenty eight and twenty-nine.
0: No one's excited about that, but they're better than they were a week ago. They're in solo second place in the National League East. They're three and a half on the Mets, which is uh not nothing, but not overwhelming either. They're actually five out in the wild card, which is what surprised me earlier when we were talking about the NL the West team. So the division is uh you would think easier to win than the wild card at this point in time, given where the giants are unless they cool off but anyway it's it's still a long way to go still 100 plus games left in this season you know it feels like such a slog so far this week they're off on monday then they go to philly for three and miami for three not exactly a treacherous slate but still uh road games in the division uh always somewhat challenging um you know we're in this dog days period now where it's like all right they, they need to keep winning but also, like, I'm not gonna tell you that they have to go five and one this week. Like, they go out and go four and two and just kind of chip away. The, I mean, I'm mostly joking about this, but there seems to be like a like a hard ceiling at 500, where every time I get there, they kind of just fall off a cliff. So that would be the hope is that they could actually like break through that number at some point in the near future. But uh, all joking aside, they just need to go out and like you know go four and two this week and be fine.
1: Yeah, that Philly series is gonna be really interesting because. The the Philly crowd is not going to be liking any team from Atlanta being in their city. It is wild that uh, they're going there right now while
0: the Hawks are there. I mean, if you're not a, if you're not a basketball fan, the the Hawks are playing in Philly on Tuesday, um, at the same time as Hawks Phillies. I'm mean, sorry, Hawks Phillies as Braves Phillies. So there will genuinely be a an Atlanta Philadelphia brawl in, in the sporting world on Tuesday night at again not kidding the exact same time in the same city. So that should be interesting. Also, it's Smiley against Nola, which is the worst pitching matchup for the for the Braves imaginable. So
1: that's pretty bad, yeah. Um,
0: that's one. Uh, if you're trying to put odds on that one, listen, it's baseball. Nothing is uh, you don't want to overstate it, but if you had to pick a matchup between the Braves and the Phillies, you would not want Smiley versus Nola on Tuesday. So.
1: No, I mean, you know, Smiley no-hitter incoming, obviously, now that we've I mean, that's I fine.
0: I'll, I'll I'll accept that, gleefully. And then uh, it's Davidson Wednesday and, and Ian on Thursday against Zach Wheeler. That'll be fun. Thursday afternoon game, um, 105, so uh, tough for those of us that have day jobs. But um, Anderson versus Wheeler should be uh, entertaining, to be sure.
1: Absolutely. Especially, like, again, other than that stupid inning with the Dodgers, I mean, Ian's looked really good this season. And, you know, Zach Wheeler seems to always pitch really well against the Braves, so you know, that, that th- these three games in Philly are going to be tough. And if they can win that series, like that helps a whole bunch. Cause then you go into Miami and that's a team that, you know, probably isn't quite ready to, you know, compete with the Braves. You know, have a bunch of young guys who I think are talented, but there's maybe aren't quite ready. If you can take that series, it puts you in a really good position to be doing well in Miami. And then you just have to kind of hope that the Mets, you know, c- continue to find ways to, you know, not try to run away with this division, which they have done, you know, despite the fact that the Braves have been, you know, they're below 500. They're still in second place. And the division the is the division lead is right there. It's not that far off, you know, it's a good week here and a bad week for the Mets. And all of a sudden this is a really, really close race.
0: Absolutely. And you know, the Braves and Marlins love each other. They had this famed relationship on both sides oh, yeah, uh, with, with no history uh, just, at all.
1: Just, uh, just yeah. don't hit Acuna with any pitches. I mean, like I understand that Mattingly has like this, like thing that he needs to be able to like establish dominance over a kid who's like raped against him, But just don't do that just don't be that guy and i have no confidence that they're gonna end up doing that they're gonna probably you know like trevor rogers or something's gonna like go up and in on acuna and he's gonna get hit by a pitch and you know it's gonna go off the rails in a hurry
0: yeah hopefully not but um regardless we'll have uh we'll have plenty to discuss uh, that'll probably do it for us today, Eric. I'd like you to uh, to plug the other podcast that is on this feed and also your other podcast endeavors. We should people tell people to share those as well. But Road to Atlanta has been busy. There's plenty of minor league coverage happening daily on the site. That's where I learn of most things in Braves minor league world, including as we record this, Jesse Franklin had a home run. I was getting tagged by people over and over again on Twitter, which I always appreciate. Bring me your Jesse Franklin ats.
1: I'm always a fan of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you're getting taxed in those. To be sure. Uh, yeah, Road to Atlanta will be on tomorrow. It's gonna be me and Garav. We're gonna talk about you know what Road to Atlanta has been, is gonna continue to be. It's just going through each level of the minors. You know who's been performing well and who hasn't been. You know the various transactions. We haven't seen a ton of roster movement other than Spencer Strider getting promoted over the last you know a couple weeks. But, you know, that's generally what that show is going to be. Uh, and I appreciate the plug on the uh, – I'm going to be doing some podcasts outside the Talking Chop world. Uh, it's for Believe Podcast Networks. I'm going to be doing three different weekly shows. One's going to be kind of a general Brave show, very similar to this one. It's going to be majors and, like, major leagues, minor leagues, and then doing a lot of mailbag questions. We're going to do that, to do that each week. It's also going to be a sports card collecting show and a general minor league show, not just the Braves, just all over across the league. And Wayne Cavatti's is going to help me out with that each week. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll have more details about that once the streams are kind of more firmly established. I'm waiting for some things on the back end to get done, but make sure you're listening out for that. And this week uh, in particular, other than the regular minor league coverage that we constantly do, our draft coverage at Talking Chop is, ra- is, ra- is uh, ramping up a good bit with Matt's going to be posting an article about the guys like the day two, day three type guys that he hopes the Raves target in those kind of later rounds that he likes. So that's kind of something to look forward to this week. Lots of content on the way.
0: Please subscribe slash follow this podcast network. Follow Eric on Twitter machine at Leprechaun. Follow me for mostly Hawk stuff right now, but also the occasional Braves hot take at BT Rowland. Follow the side I talking Chop. chop. Uh, yeah, plenty to get to. We'll be back again next week. we to Atlanta coming, as Eric just said, in the next day or two on this same feed. And we'll see you all next time.